This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled here to be joined by a brilliant leader in supply chain. In fact, someone that was just inducted into the PhD Project Hall of Fame. I guess that's a couple of years now. We're joined today by Dr. Randy Bradley. Dr. Bradley is a, a professor at the University of Tennessee, has some college of business, and, and he's a leading expert in supply chain and IT. Dr. Bradley, take a moment and introduce yourself and then tell us sort of, then we'll talk about what trends you're watching in supply chain and what we could do about it. What are some of the AI or software or other types of solutions and just what you're seeing. But Dr. Bradley, start by just introducing yourself if you don't mind. Sure thing. Thank you, Scott, for having me. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you today. So I'm Randy Bradley. I, I'm an associate professor of supply chain management and information systems at the University of Tennessee and the Haslam College of Business, where I sit in the Department of Supply Chain Management. I am also the executive vice president of digital transformation for life sciences with the Biosupply Management Alliance. And, and so where, where I sit in the university, my role is primarily looking at the intersection between supply chain technology and analytics with a focus primarily on healthcare, life sciences, and biotech. Thank you. And talk about in terms of healthcare, in terms of supply chain, what are the big trends that you're watching currently? Where's the attention being paid? So, so there, there are a couple of areas, Scott. One is we, we're still continuing to see one of the top challenges beyond just the disruptions we're seeing in the supply chain is concerns about talent is the inability to attract the talent. And then when we attract the talent, it's the ability, inability to retain the talent or develop the talent. And, and so the talent pipeline for healthcare supply chain, although this is a rich opportunity, we're not seeing a robust pipeline headed in that particular direction. And I think there are a number of reasons for that. One has to do with, we really are struggling from a healthcare standpoint of how do we change our mindset of what supply chain used to be versus what supply chain is and what it will be in the future. For instance, you and I both are familiar with, there are many entities where it's still referred to as materials management. That makes us sound like we're nothing more but box kickers and box movers. And, and what I fail to see is when we begin to move from being something that's an operational initiative or an operational function to something that's more of a strategic imperative where we invest in true supply chain professionals and people are not just deemed and designated as supply chain by way of attrition or because of their longevity in the organization. And so I think that not only is there going to have to be a change of focus within the supply chain function, but really when you think about the C-suite in general, and I know that there are, are some who argue for we need more chief supply chain officers, but I want to caveat that and say this. If, in fact, we're going to do that, then those supply chain officers really need to be chief, meaning they need to be chief business leaders with an expertise in supply chain, because that's what it's going to take for us to wrap our arms around some of the challenges from drug shortages, material shortages, labor challenges. And even when it comes to negotiating with third parties, whether they be our GPOs, whether they be district distributors or even other third-party logistic service providers. So there are a multitude of things that we have to wrap our arms around, including the fact that, as you mentioned and alluded to in the opening, supply chain is increasingly being information technology intensive. And so as a result, how do we ensure that when we make IT-related decisions, we're not insensitive to the impact that has on supply chain operations and personnel? Thank you. And what's the, what's the, the future of technology and supply chain? Obviously, 
over the last couple decades, a huge amount of implementation of technology compared to the old days. You talk about box kickers. The old days were sort of like, you know, flip charts and, and uh, clipboards and so forth, the supply chain. Now, of course, it's all become so much of it's become automated RFID and everything else. What's the future look like and what does AI apply to supply chain? I think we're still going to what I consider to be the core. We still are in need of our traditional enterprise resource planning systems. We're still in need of our inventory management and warehouse management solutions. I don't think those things are going to go away. In fact, organizations who, who tend to dis, disregard those or not focus on those are the ones that I see struggle along the digital journey. There is this misconception that an organization, a typical healthcare entity, is going to move from what I refer to as spaghettis and silos. That simply means we have a siloed organization, both structurally and functionally, as well as technologically, where we have systems that just don't integrate. The lack of interoperability is mind-numbing in healthcare. So we still have those things to take care of. I call that focusing on the core, because if we don't focus on the core, all the other things that we consider to be accessories and window dressing, the bright, shiny things, whether we're talking about generative AI or conversational AI, whether we're talking about advanced robotics, autonomous mobile robots, all those things are great and they have a place, but it's not that, that's not the digital core. Those are things that only benefit us if we get our operational backbone in order. And so what I, where I have seen success is organizations who realize this, that my data may not be perfect, but the reality is this, every model, every AI and ML model would deem your data to be perfect because it has to assume that that's the case. And so when we talk about bias in the form of AI, a lot of that bias is not necessarily just in the algorithms, it's inherent to the way we collected data, it's inherent to the way we structured, stored, and disseminated data, and then we feed that into a model that learns. So bias is a learned behavior. And, and, and as we talk about that in human nature, it's also true from a technological standpoint. So my guidance and my advice to leaders is one, let's get our own home and house in order because where I've seen digital journeys fail is when the operational backbone, those core systems are incapable of either allowing the data to seamlessly flow which means we're not able to liberate data, we're not able to connect and interrelate data, and therefore we're not able to capitalize on the capabilities that solutions and approaches such as generative AI could bring to the forefront. Thank you, and, and Dr. Bradley, you've had a great leadership career. What advice would you give to other emerging leaders? What do you tell somebody who's trying to move into a leadership role or just have a great career? You know, I, I look at it from three, uh, several ways. One. I always have kind of this, this this framework in my head, which is I've got to know exactly where I stand as an individual within the organization and outside of the organization. And that's also understand how you perceive. The other thing that I found is when I teach and, and train and educate other leaders is that leadership success in one domain, in one organization, is not necessarily immediately transferable. And what that means is this, the success you've had at place A doesn't automatically lead to success at place B. We have to realize that there is a mindset and, and a change where we have to not necessarily prove ourselves, but we have to allow people to understand and explore who we are. So that means that's going to require a shift and sometimes a shift in our mindset. And sometimes it's also going to require a change in our approach and our behavior. And so there's a, there's a concept that I refer to um, that's well known as sort of the three box approach. And what it is, is you look at the past and you say, what is the things that I used to do? 
that are still viable and will still serve me well in the future. Those are the things I'm going to hold on to. Everything else, I have to be willing to let go, no matter how successful they were in the past. They no longer fit the current paradigm or they no longer fit the current environment. The next thing is focusing on the presence, which is what do I do now and why do I do it and how does it make a difference? Am I able to articulate the value of my role, the value of my team to all representative stakeholders. And then we utilize that until we can be future focused or future oriented, whereas being able to anticipate what the people I serve are going to need, what my organization is going to need, and being able to do it before they're even able to formulate a request for it. That has to be the mindset of a leader. I always say a leader needs to be five years ahead in their thinking but no more than two years ahead in the execution. We have to be prepared for what's coming because we've anticipated. It doesn't mean we're always going to be correct, but what it means is we should always be within the realm or within the ballpark of where things are moving. But, but I think that's brilliant. The, the, this concept of what's worked for me in the past and am I still gonna do it or what do I have to get rid of? I Operating hardcore in the present Having some thoughts about what the future looks like, that doesn't be perfect, but just having some thoughts and structure to what you think it's going to look like is very helpful because even if you change or it's different, you've always got a paradigm to start with. I think that's a, a brilliant, brilliant perspective. Dr. Bradley, anything else you'd like to share with the listeners today on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast? No, absolutely. Uh, I'll go back to something I said before. In healthcare supply chains in particular, we have to begin to be more revenue oriented in, in terms of our focus. It can no longer be that supply chain is the cost center or supply chain is the place we go to when we need to get the margins in line and we're going to them looking for cost savings. There are only so much cost we can squeeze out of it, but we have to change the focus and say supply chain can and should be the seat of innovation where it gives us an opportunity to deliver different services, better services and differential services. And when we begin to see the supply chain, as a strategic asset and a corporate capability, then and only then will we be able to experience supply chain excellence that catapults our organizations forward, but most importantly, delivers the right type of care in the right way at the right place and at the most feasible cost available. Dr. Bradley, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for joining us in the Becker Healthcare Podcast. What a, what a pleasure to visit with you. A brilliant career again. Uh, professor at the University of Tennessee, fantastic. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you again for having me. It's so important for leaders at the top of organizations to keep learning, stay sharp, grow their networks. To help our audience better do this in a more simplified, personalized, and meaningful way, Becker's Healthcare has launched MyBHC. It's your trusted Becker's Healthcare experience and more with content, connections, events, and learning opportunities. Join the community free of charge at www.my.beckershospitalreview.com and we'll see you there.